This podcast hands you the keys to scaling revenue in the SaaS and tech industry fast. Join Mike Williams, CEO of Jetstream Revenue Growth, as he talks with tech and SaaS business leaders who share proven approaches on how to get your revenue to take off. All right. Welcome to this episode of the Jetstream podcast. A uh, really great episode that we had today with Christina O'Reilly, and she's a fractional CMO with her company Core Insights, that's C-O-R Insights. Uh, of course, we talked about being a fractional CMO and what that means and why more companies are looking for that. I think there's a real recognition of the importance of uh, leadership and strategy around marketing and digital marketing. And so more companies are considering fractional CMOs uh, as a great alternative to hiring uh, a full-time, uh, full-time C-level uh, marketing person. So uh, Christina has been enjoying some success there, growing her company. Uh, and we had a really great conversation. We had a good uh, discussion about sales and marketing. And Christina talked about the positive tension between sales and marketing and making sure that they uh, have the right mindset because sales and marketing tend to, the, the sales and marketing people tend to think a little bit differently uh, than one another. They have a bit of a different mindset. So we need to bring them together and make sure that we have sales and marketing instead of sales versus marketing or sales or marketing. Uh, and she really just talked about the positive tension that you can create there and how that's important uh, to creating a good buy-in from both teams to work together to drive success for both sales uh, and marketing. Uh, in their individual roles. So really interesting conversation there. Uh, Christina also talked about the alignment between business and marketing objectives. Uh, This is something that uh, we found really, really important here at Jetstream is to make sure that the marketing objectives you have are in alignment with where you're going as a company. Those need to be on the same line of sight. They need to be in line. Uh, You know, Christina talks about other companies just saying, make up your own KPIs. And sure, you can do that. But if those KPIs, KPIs, aren't going after the same goals and objectives that your business is after, they're going to start going in a different direction. They're going to tell a different story. They're going to start dragging the company in a way that is not efficient, not effective, uh, and take you away from the ultimate goal. So make sure that your marketing uh, or revenue or sales goals are in line with the objectives of the company to make sure we're driving towards the same goals and combining the efforts of all the different departments uh, to make sure that happens. Uh, and something that always comes up, you know, within marketing is, is looking at your competitors. You can, uh, Christina talked about, you can learn from your competitors. You can look and see what they're up to. You can learn what they're doing, what they're not doing, what they're missing, what they're doing really well. Um, so take the time to have a look at your competitors, see what they're up to. It's a great place to start in marketing and your marketing research. See what they're up to. You might want to see what their website looks like, see what they're targeting. You can determine who they're uh, you know, target audiences, what keywords they're advertising on, and even have a look at some of the ads that uh, they're currently using. So uh, definitely take a look at your uh, competitors. So uh, have a listen to, t- to today's podcast, uh, podcast and learn from Christina uh, and all of her experience uh, as a fractional CMO uh, and check out Core Insights, but uh, have a listen and enjoy. Thanks. All right. Welcome to this episode of the Jetstream podcast. Really excited to have our guest with us here today. We've got Christina O'Reilly, and she's a fractional CMO with her company, Core Insights. Uh, Just a little bit about Christina as well. Uh, She's an experienced senior marketing professional who not only builds growth growth strategies, but takes those strategic and operational decisions and quickly translates them into action. She's known for her award-winning and creative strategies and approaches to branding, customer marketing, 
demand generation and thought leadership. Christina, it's so great to have you here. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about Core Insights and, uh, and what you're doing there. Yeah, so um, it's it's in essence exactly what it is. It's a fractional CMO service for organizations that may not have, um, you know, a marketing strategy in place or a CMO, and even to the point where they may not be able to deliver some of their strategies. So I, I straddle the fine line between strategy and execution, um, as I can. I work with many startups, medium size, and instances, I do have clients that are at the enterprise level who just need that one person who can specialize and deliver a specific project or, or, uh, or have a deliverable that they just don't have the, the staff and need to augment their, the skill set. Yeah, it makes, a, it makes a ton of sense, especially for you know, companies of all different sizes, but to have that extra layer of leadership and strategy uh, and bring that in. And the, the company doesn't have to pay for a full-time person, but they still get all the value uh, I'm curious how you got into this type of work and what your background is uh, that led you to this. So a uh, great question. And I think uh, one of the main reasons I was a victim of the COVID. Um, so I was part of the, the initial downsize um, with my last organization. Um, but I had been thinking of this for many years. So originally I, I lived in and uh, most of my career was spent in Toronto. And while I was working in Toronto, I was really thinking of, okay, how can I downsize and how can I really deliver some of the services on my own based on been working with so many large global enterprise companies. Um, and it wasn't until I moved out to BC and started fresh that I really thought through and started putting more uh, emphasis on trying to deliver some of the services. So I, while I was working for full time, I had some, some part-time clients on the side. Very, very cool. Yeah, it's a really yeah. interesting and seems to be a growing, I seem to see more fractional CMOs uh, out there. So, you know, it seems like, although COVID may have led to a downside initially for you, hopefully you're coming through uh, to the upside. And I think there's a ton of value for fractional CMOs and, and companies out there. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very fortunate. So, um, yes, yes, hopefully that's the case as well. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, so we want to talk about revenue growth today. Uh, can you tell us some of the things you've learned uh, about revenue growth from your experience and you know current roles and past roles and just some of the things you feel like are important to drive revenue uh, and growth in companies. You know, honestly, I think we only have 25 minutes. I probably can go a full hour, but uh, I'll try to bring forward some of the top ones. I think the first one that I've seen is, um, you know, revenue growth is only is not just attributed to what sales can bring in in terms of customers and revenue or what marketing can bring in in terms of leads, right? It needs to be looked at in terms of what is our churn rate um, from a customer retention standpoint? What, um, what is our pricing model? What does the pricing model look like? Can we get creative? What is the onboarding for new customers? Believe it or not, all of those small tangible things along the way make a huge difference when it comes to revenue growth. And in a time where um, the bottom line is getting squeezed more and more and customers are demanding more and more, you really need to think creatively beyond just what the, the contract value, so to speak. And it's about the whole package that you're offering your, your clients or your customers. And I speak for that in wholeheartedly because I came from that experience where I was many years ago with an organization where they really couldn't get more of a margin because the, the market was so noisy, right? Mm. They had the competitors, uh, they were offering a service that really 
one of the ways in which they did to distinguish them was on price. And at some point you can only go so far down right. in terms of your margin. So they really needed to think creatively. We really needed to think creatively. What does that look like in terms of where we can get more revenue from our bottom dollar, so to speak. So we created um, in uh, training programs that we would train the trainer so that we would price that out. We would build up our own professional services team. Um, we looked at the onboarding process. We delivered, believe it or not, I had one, um, there's actually one client I'm working with where we're offering, we, they deliver a platform, but actually on top of the platform, we're offering them marketing services to help them market internally the platform so that they can get buy-in internally within the organization. So it's about being creative and it's looking at beyond just the, the typical scope of like a contract value, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really interesting to sort of market internally. I, I often forget about that because I'm always thinking externally, you know, bring in customers, but sometimes you have to sell an ideal or an idea internally. Actually, I have two clients that I'm doing that right now. <laughs> interesting. It's a client of their client that we're working through to get value of this. The one is a platform that we're trying to really bolster and, and drive value. And the other one is a service. So you have two spectrums as well, right? You one's a product and one's a service. Right. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. And I guess, you know, being a, a, a fractional CMO, you get different types of clients that you're working with, you know, product services, you know, different industries. Uh, do you enjoy uh, that work? or, or you I know, do. You find... I, yeah, sir. I, I very much, I never realized how much I would love it, but I actually cool. do. You don't get a chance to get bored. Not that I got <laughs> bored before, but um, you learn. I learn so much because you pay, you really to be, to be part of, of the team. Like I try to vision myself as an extension of their team, not a vendor, not, you know what I mean? So you really need to invest the time to really understand who you're working for, their services, their competitors, their needs. And as a byproduct, you learn, you, you learn new things that you never knew was out there before. Right. So that's the fun part. Yeah. And so I imagine you're working with lots of different sales teams, sales and marketing teams and different sales cycles. Uh, what do you typically see for like length of sales cycle? And I know that's a broad question. And how do you work with sales teams to get that sales and marketing, uh, you know, team working together? That, that is a tough one because um, sales cycles do vary greatly, but they tend to average out. Again, it's also dependent on the customer. If you're a B2B or B2C, number one. Number two, if you're an enterprise size, then usually enterprise deals take minimum nine to 12 months to come to fluition. Um, and so that's the predominant. So I'm used to working within a nine to 12 month window or even 18 month window. Um, so with that being said, marketing really needs to be in market ahead of sales about nine months, right? Usually lead six to nine months. That's when if you're in market before sales in terms of your campaigns, you can start to see the leads slowly coming through um, in terms of the results and the ROI, it takes such a long time now to really convert a prospect to, to, you know, to a lead. Um, and so it's a very, at times sales can be quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's that positive tension between sales and marketing is what I always like to call it. Um, where are my leads, so to speak? So it's really, um, working with them mostly and a lot of the stuff I started doing later on in my career, I started shifting is understanding more time in the sales cycle, more time and actually participating on sales calls. Mm. 
And I found that I got immense value in being part of the sales process, obviously where it makes the most sense, but and listening on and picking up on some of the nuances that the customers or their prospects are saying that they themselves may not hear it. And then often I'd come back and say, well, did you hear how they said, I would like to emphasize this instead of that. And more often than not, the VP or the salesperson didn't pick up on it. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I, I really like that idea. It's the first time I've heard someone talk about that, but it does make a ton of sense, especially because sales will give you feedback, but they'll give it from the sales mindset versus the mm -hmm. marketing mindset, which is different and there is nuance in that. Uh, so I'm yeah. sure you get a ton of value uh, from those calls and, and the things that you can learn from the customer on a sales call. So not just talking to the customer about the product and marketing, but exactly talking to them in that sales mode or just listening in, there must be so much value you, you get from those. Well, I mean, and it's also to be perfectly honest, I, it, it also self-serving to the, on the marketing side. And one of the reasons for that is that I usually select or ask to participate on calls where we're further down the sales cycle or we're pretty much at that point where they're going to be part, they're going to be a customer. If I'm able to establish relationship at that point, then guess what? I have a direct channel to that customer once they become they come on board and they're happy with, with the product or the implementation, I can get that customer success story, right? I can get that quote, I can get that permission, whereas more often than not, we're marketing when it comes time to doing Kate success stories or getting quotes or logos or at the mercy of either the client services or the sales reps. And then we have to kind of work through the back channel. So establishing that that relationship up front removes the barriers very, very quickly. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And, uh, you know, I, again, I hadn't thought of that before either because, you know, oftentimes you think, oh, we should get some testimonials. And then you go back and, well, who's a good customer? But if you already have that relationship, you probably know uh, mm -hmm. more likely who those those customers are. Um, so as, as a CMO, I'm sure you're, you know, thinking a lot about strategy and, and, uh, you know, KPIs and objectives, uh, you know, when, when it comes to those things, uh, you know, how do you implement those and how do you manage to hit those KPIs or set those objectives, uh, you know, in an ever-changing, you know, uh, marketing and business world? Great question. Um, first of all is, is I, I came being in this role, I've come to realize that not everyone use does KPIs. Not everyone understands what KPIs are yeah. or, uh, so that is, I've spent, um, about 50% of my time actually educating and, and demonstrating the value, but that's, that's not necessarily uncommon when you're dealing with startups and, and, you know, small businesses, because they're so busy trying to get so many other things up and running that often marketing comes to the table last. But that being said, when I've worked with organizations where they had KPIs, the biggest gap I've noticed is that there's not alignment between the business objectives and the marketing objectives. Mm -hmm. Like there needs to be that alignment. They need to cascade down. So, um, Years ago, I had a VP challenge me on the sales side about, well, just make up your own KPIs. Well, that doesn't make sense because ultimately it's not about what I think is are the best. It needs to support, reinforce and drive value back up to the organization from a business standpoint. So fundamentally, any form of KPI needs to derive from the business and then you expand that way. The other note thing I've noticed over the years is that they keep changing. They keep changing the goalpost and then, and that's okay because metrics or targets grow or change, 
but the core fundamental business visions and objectives, those shouldn't change on a quarterly basis. Mm. Right. So, um, so yeah, those are the two fundamental philosophies that I have around KPIs. It's like, don't change the goalpost every quarter and make sure it aligns, you know, whether it's marketing, sales, client services, professional services, product development, make sure those all line up to what the corporate objectives need, needs are, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because that's something that, you know, we find ourselves working with, with clients on a lot is, you know, we don't want to just know what your marketing goals are because if those don't align with your business, then you, you get this like disjointed business. You know, you could have developments doing one thing, sales is doing another, leadership's mm -hmm. doing something, and marketing's over here going one direction. And everyone's like pointing away versus mm -hmm. if we look more like a pyramid, we want everyone to have that line of sight to the same goal. So mm -hmm. I think that that's really, really important. And those marketing objectives absolutely need to, to align with the business strategy and where the business is going. But I, I don't think you're alone in hearing, you know, what you heard about, you know, just make up your own KPIs. I'm like, yes, you can make up your own KPIs, but you need to know how they align with where you're going uh, mm -hmm. as a business. And that to me makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we're talking about revenue growth. If we just wanted to talk about marketing growth, we could just talk about, okay, we're going to get a bunch of users. Well, you can get them for free, right? Or you could, you could bring in a lot of leads, but if those aren't turning into sales and turning into business growth, then what are we actually doing uh, in the marketing yeah. department or any department of that business? So you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I really like uh, what you had to say there. So uh, yeah. thanks. Thanks for that. No um, I, I, you talked a little bit about what customers are saying and talking to customers, which I think is a great insight. Uh, what about your competitors and, and what they're up to and what they're possibly saying? Uh, mm -hmm. And how do you monitor or pay attention to that? You know, that's a great point. Um, I think you can learn a lot in, from what your competitors are saying, doing, and or not doing, right? Um, with one of the, um, the, the companies I'm working with that I've, I've done in my previous life as well is one of the things that I've often done on my team is whenever I have a new member join my team, um, I make them build a competitive um uh, competitive analysis deck, if that makes sense. And this, and sometimes that comes on the product marketing side, but usually product marketing doesn't exist in medium-sized organizations. It's usually at the Microsoft level. But what what I what that forces is that an individual goes through, analyzes what the competitors are doing, and then whenever I have a new a new employee start, I always make the, pers the that person go through the deck and add something. I force them to go find something that we may have missed. And it just really keeps the, the content fresh. It really captures what the competitors are doing because we don't have time always to really just zero in on what your competition is doing. But if you have someone who's every quarter, we usually did it on a quarterly basis, but with the startup, I'm getting everyone in the company doing it. So it's the best way, A, to get to know the market, B, get to know the product, right? And then C, it's really enabling us to, under, to to understand what the competitors are doing. What kind of messaging are they putting out on their social channels? What are their social channels? What are their customers or followers saying about them? Um, how many followers? So think it really gives a very concentrated lens. And then from that, we extrapolate the insights and then I start updating or editing my keywords. If they're doing a keyword that's working for them, that's relevant, guess what I'm gonna be doing? Or so it really is, um, 
it really does ground you and really give you a good base to understand what your competitors are saying. Now there's a balance there. You can't have FOMO, right? You can't, <laughs> you can't really do just because they're doing X, you need to do that, right? So don't worry, you know, don't get the fear of missing out syndrome in that process. Um, so you got to find that balance. But so far for myself, bringing forward competitive information, especially to sales has been very fruitful, very beneficial to the team. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And you said, you know, a number of great things, but one thing that really kind of stood out me, uh, stood out to me too, was talking about bringing in like a new employee and getting them to look at different things. Uh, and it makes me think a lot about, you know, when you're in a business for a long time, you can't see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. And so when those new employees start, it's such a great time for them when they're fresh and they haven't seen this and they bring this new perspective. And so it's so important to listen to what they have to say, what they're seeing from the outside now coming inside versus once everyone's in, we're kind of closed off to some of those outside ideas. So I think that's a really interesting perspective uh, to get from, from employees. So, Well, I just noticed over time that is been able to finesse a lot of our messaging and um, able to do a compare and contrast or differentiate or quite easily. I was on a call with a client and we were talking about well, what differentiates you? And because I believe, I'm firmly believe because we had done that from, you know, from the beginning, the CEO was very confident and very comfortable in doing and, and quickly coming up with a compare and contrast without making it sound like they were reading off a product brochure right. or not without making it look like they were just spewing off stuff about their product, which is okay, but it needs to be delivered in a very soft you know, non-product specific manner, if that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, have... yeah, for sure. And which, which makes me think a little bit about, you mentioned product marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, as a CMO, do you find yourself having to fill the gap of product marketing and, and kind of get in with the product management team if there is a product management team for a, maybe a smaller company? More often than not, in my experience, there usually isn't a product management team. It's usually product slash product marketing slash product management, and then the development the dev team. So um, and that is really trying to translate, you know, um, from engineers or data scientists or product or developers and translating that into um, product marketing, which then translate that into a marketing um, speak has, has been very interesting. <laughs> yeah, 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 I bet certainly have to navigate a couple different waters there and, and translate, like you said, that that language uh, yeah. you know, between the, the two. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious what, what your thoughts are on, you know, what's the future of, uh, uh, you know, of a fractional CMO? What are the opportunities out there? What are some of the challenges potentially uh, that you're facing as you grow your own business? Um, that's a great question. I think the future of, of CMO, I think you're going to see it grow more and more. I think the concept of fractional whether it's fractional CFO, fractional CEOs or CMOs are, are gonna continue to grow. And as the, the um, and as we change how we work, the go-to-market, like how we work from home versus going into offices and this the remote space changes how we work day to day, I think a lot more people, you don't necessarily need to be in an office. So I think that's only gonna add to seeing more and more fractional CMOs. I think hopefully, CMOs will continue to be part of the, at the table, have a seat at the table at, at the leadership table and really being part of business decisions and leadership conversations and not just in within the marketing realm, so to speak. 
Um, I don't know, from a challenge standpoint, I think those will always remain. I think, you know, um, just a couple of weeks ago, I, you know, marketing was, was pegged as, well, we just make things look pretty. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and so I think we'll always have that challenge, but I think it's just, um, it's up to us to really demonstrate the value of what, a, what we can still deliver, even though we're not necessarily um, full time. Right. We're not there to replace anyone. We're there to augment where there is a need. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think it's it's funny, you know, I laugh when you say, you know, marketing is just there to make things look pretty. I mean, that is an element of what marketing does sometimes, yes. but there's so much more to it. And in a digital world, one of the things I find so challenging is that you're taking this like the, the, the um, constraints of a tech, you know, technological world and trying to marry that together with that like creative world and they don't ever quite fit perfectly. And so you're constantly uh, doing that. I'm just kind of curious, you know, how much you're running into that sort of opportunity and, or, or challenge and how you address that. Just addressing the, the creative side with the digital side. Yeah. Like how do you kind of try to mesh those together, you know, seamlessly, if we can say that we're doing it seamlessly. It's interesting. Um, I find that it's, it's, the majority of my time is definitely spent more in the digital realm in terms of understanding the digital, um, the digital space and going back to your, your for a second to your, what were the challenges? I think trying to keep up with the technology and right. trying to keep up with the different changes. Like Google is coming out with a massive upgrade to their uh, operating, their backend systems. So what does that mean for websites? Yeah. Um, and there's always the latest and greatest new gadget or tools or, streams or whatnot so i think that is a challenge is, is is i think you almost need to bring a team that are experts in certain areas and that just from my standpoint is it's going to be hard to keep up with so you know overlay that with your with this question here i think it's it's how do we um how do we stand out above the noise now mm-hmm. because there's so much of it on the, in the digital space how so that's number one number two how do you convey that 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 human connection that that how do you convey that the um, the, the touch points that you do, you want to humanize your brand but sometimes for a digital realm can you do that video is probably the best way to do that so i think it's a combination of understanding the technology and understanding who the audience is using it too um the next gen you know we all focus right now a lot of us if you talk to marketing peeps they're all focused on the millennials right that's the biggest audience that we have right now but the next one below, I think it's what is that Gen, Gen Z, not the Gen Zs, the Gen, I can't remember the two names, isn't that crazy? But there's two different categories beneath the millennials at this point. What's their world going to look like when they come into the markets, you know, into the market space? How we connect yeah. with them? Yeah, exactly. You know, I was talking on a, a clubhouse meeting recently and someone was talking about email and, and, and how, you know, then this net younger generation isn't really using email. Mm-mm you know, but they're still communicating in a lot of different ways. So I don't know that you'll replace something like email, but how do we understand their behavior and where they're going to be and what platforms they're going to be on and how do we market and reach them? Because they've grown up in a fully digital native world where even myself, you know, I'm, I'm 41. This is, you know, was new when I was like, you know, 16, 17, 18. And I got into it at that point, but you know, my kids in this next generation, Mm-hmm. they've grown up google's always been here there's always mm-hmm. been answers to their questions well so. just expand on that for a second you know if we look at 
the style of communication, right? So you take email for a second. The way they communicate and draft an email is so different than the way we, we now I use myself, I'm a little bit older than you, um, use that, right? And I find um, how they form sentences, how they convey certain things is very short and sweet and succinct. Right. It's so different. Their style is so different. So I often wonder, how, what's that going to look like on the marketing side? How's that going to translate, you know, when we start marketing to that generation, more, more so to that generation <clears throat> in the future? Yeah, yeah, certainly uh, an interesting time. Uh, well, well, Christina, it was, it was great to have you on the podcast. Uh, I think there's a ton of really great, valuable things that you've said, and I really appreciate oh, uh, all the, the insights you're providing to our audience. So uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, where can people find more about uh, Core Insights or find you on uh, social media? Uh, I was afraid you were going to ask that. I'm probably my LinkedIn profile. I have yet to build my website. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of the, the, I do one of the big things that people, I say people to do is have a website that's in process, but you can probably find me on LinkedIn. It's probably the best way. Awesome. Great. Well, it was great to have you on. Thank you so much. And thank you for all your tips and insights uh, and sharing your experience. It was my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Jetstream podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. If you have a revenue growth story to share, email us, info at jetstream.agency. We might have you on the show.